I am sure that many of those songs take us uh, back, some further back than others. Of course, you know, the Beatles sang All You Need Is Love, and then three years after they released the song, they broke up. So, you know, maybe love really isn't all you need. Uh, The purpose of the First Christian Church of Griffith, Indiana is to Love love God, love others, spread the gospel. Very good. This morning we're going to continue in our sermon series on, uh, based on Galatians 5, 22 and 23. These are the fruit of the Spirit. These are the qualities that the Holy Spirit develops in the lives of Christians, that develops in the lives of believers in Jesus Christ as we journey towards our heavenly home. The first quality that we discussed two weeks ago was joy, and then last week we talked about peace. This morning, as you can tell, we're going to talk about love. love. We're going to talk about love. Now, I realize that love is kind of a wide topic. There's all kinds of things that we could say about love. We've already heard lots of different things about love. Um, But we're going to talk about what the Bible says about love today. We're going to break it down a little bit. We're going to talk about some key passages of Scripture that help us understand what love is really all about. And there are three questions that we're going to talk about, three questions that we're going to answer today when it comes to love. The first question we're going to discuss is who Who do you love? Jesus answers this question for us in the book of Matthew. In the last week of Jesus' life, the Pharisees got together to test Jesus. If you've got a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter uh, 22, verses 34 through 40. Matthew 22, 34 through 40. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. There are three words in the Greek that are translated in English as love. Three Greek words. The first is agape which means an unconditional kind of love. It's the kind of love that God has for his children. Uh, It's agape. The second is phileo, which means a brotherly kind of love. The city of Philadelphia is known as the city of brotherly love. The name of the city is from the Greek word uh, phileo. The third word is eros, which means a physical kind of love between a husband and a wife. Jesus uses the word agape in this passage from Matthew when he talks about the kind of love uh, that we should have for God and that we should have for our neighbors. Jesus was quoting the book of Deuteronomy when he was asked this question. The book of Deuteronomy says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. The Greek translation of the Old Testament says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. In Mark's gospel, he uses all four terms together, heart, soul, mind, and strength. The point is that we should love God with everything that we have. With all of our being, we should love God. And completely, totally, utterly, positively, absolutely love God with all that we are. Heart, heart, soul, mind, and strength. Everything we do should be an expression of our love for God. Our worship, our prayers, our service should all reflect our love for God. And Jesus also says that we should love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Notice that Jesus does not say that you should not love yourself. Jesus never says, don't love, never says do not love yourself. He just says that you should love your neighbor as you love yourself. Um, you should love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. And again, he uses the word agape to describe the kind of love that we should have for our neighbors. Okay, It's that unconditional kind of love. 
the question then becomes, who is my neighbor? Well, Jesus answered that question with a story in Luke 10, 29-37. An expert in the law stood up to test Jesus, and he asked him about the commandments. Jesus answered him the same way he answered in our passage from Matthew. Luke records the story like this. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell, among, uh, when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may, have, you may have. Now, which of these three men do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. The Jews hated the Samaritans. They hated them. They looked at them. They, they described them as wild dogs. Now, I don't know about you, but <coughs> people I like, People I'm friends with, uh, people I enjoy their company, I, I'm probably not going to refer to them as wild dogs. Um, you know, I, that's how the Jews refer to the Samaritans. They call them wild dogs. They viewed them as half-breeds, not even fully human. And Jesus shows us that even an enemy is still a neighbor. When it comes to answering the question, who do you love, there are two, two answers for us today. Same thing as back in Jesus' day. We are to love God, we are to love our neighbor. We did our little mission statement earlier. We are to love God and love others. That's, this is where it comes from. That's what it's all about. Loving God, loving others with this unconditional kind of love that Jesus talks about. You know, we talk about it every Sunday when we repeat our mission statement. Love God, love others, spread the gospel. But how can we love God? We've never seen God. Yeah, you know, let's face it. It's a lot easier to love someone you know. It's a lot easier to love someone that you can see. Lots easier to love someone that you can be with. Um, you know, it, it just makes it easier. How can we love God whom we've never seen? Uh, and we're not going to see him until we get to heaven. Well, 1 Peter 1.8 says, though you have not seen him, you love him. So how do we express our love for God? In, in John 14.15, Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. If you love me, you will obey what I command. Ouch. That's, that's kind of hard. <laughs> If you want to express love for God, if you want to express love for Jesus Christ, then do what the Bible says. Obey him. Obey his word. Obey his commands. Um, Do what God says to do. Read the Bible. Read the Bible to know what his commands are, to know what he commands, to know what he expects, to know what he says to do. Read the Bible, and you'll know what to do. Uh, Live out those commandments that he gives us. Live out the Ten Commandments from uh, Exodus and Deuteronomy. Micah 6.8 says, He has showed you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. What does God command? Act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with God. Read Read what Jesus said in the Gospels. Read the Sermon on the Mount. We talked about the Sermon on the Mount last year. Read the Sermon on the Mount. Read what Paul wrote in the letters to the various congregations. By reading God's word, we will have a better understanding of what God commands and how to express our love for him. We can also express our love for God through worship. And this, isn't, this doesn't 
just go for singing the songs on Sunday morning. Uh, it's not just uh, singing along with the radio, but living our lives for Jesus Christ. This is our phys- spiritual act of worship. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. When we offer ourselves to God in submission to his will, we are worshiping him. Have you ever thought about that? That doing God's will, <coughs> excuse me, doing God's will is an act of worship. Seeking his face, seeking his will, seeking to do his will is an act of worship. It's one of the ways that we worship God. We are... Um, we are expressing love for him when we do what he has commanded us. We, we are expressing love for him when we do his will. We can also express our love to God through prayer. Now, how many of you tell, if, if you're married or if you have a boyfriend or girlfriend, how many of you tell your significant other that you love them on a regular basis? Maybe on a daily basis, maybe, uh, maybe not often enough. Uh, um, you know, when, uh, when my... Uh, sister was going to get married. I think it was my, my sister was going to get married. My mom works at Chicagoland Christian Village uh, over in Crown Point. And she went to the residents uh, there at CCV and asked them for uh, a bit of advice that she could put into a book for my sister and her husband. Um, and what was the advice that, because most of those folks over there had been married for years and years and years and years and years. And she wanted to know what kind of marital advice they could pass on. And without a doubt, overwhelmingly, the uh, number one bit of advice that they could give was to tell each other that you love each other every day. So, you know, this one's free. Uh, just tell each other that you love each other every day. Even, uh, no, you should mean it. I was going to say, even if you don't mean it. No, you should mean it. You should mean it. And I know some days it's harder than others. Imagine Shannon. Imagine that poor girl having to tell me that she loves me every day. Uh, as hard and difficult as I make her life, uh, she still manages to... to, to to pass those words through her lips and uh, to my ears every day. And uh, I really appreciate it because uh, I'm, I'm very insecure. Anyway, um, no, tell each other that you love each other every day. It's, it's what it's all about. You know, maybe we need, uh, and, and when we know somebody, when we love somebody, we tell them that we love them. Same thing goes for God. When was the last time you told God that you loved him? That maybe in your prayer life? You know, or just walking down the street and you just overcome with the goodness and the awesomeness of God and you just say, God, I love you. You can tell God that you love him. You, you really can. And I, I highly encourage you to tell God that you love him. Not that God needs it. Not that God is sitting up there going, oh, I really hope Bob loves me. God knows our hearts. But it's always, it's good for us to, to remind ourselves that we love God. It's good to tell God that we love him. So Bob, tell God that you love him. Um, the other answer to the question is we need to love our neighbor. Now, our neighbor can be anyone. It doesn't just mean the person who lives physically next door to you. Uh, your neighbor's the person that you sit next to in worship. They're, you're in a room full of neighbors this morning. Okay? These are your neighbors. Love them. Uh, your neighbor's the person you work with. The, your neighbor's the person who lives in the next town over. Your neighbor's the person who lives halfway around the world. So how do we show our love to all of these different people? Through service and sacrifice. By taking care of their needs. By inviting them to come to worship with you. Maybe that coworker worker uh, needs you to invite them to come to worship. Needs you to say, hey, you know what? You need to come check out my church. 
If you don't go to church anywhere, you need to come check out my church. Uh, by sharing the gospel with them. Maybe support a missionary who shares the gospel halfway around the world. Maybe volunteering to help somebody out. You know, most of us, we love ourselves a lot. We do all kinds of things for ourselves. Uh, we buy ourselves lots of stuff. We uh, fill ourselves full of food. And uh, we pamper ourselves on a daily basis. Maybe it's time that we need to share some of that love with our neighbors as well. Uh, Mary Ann Dennis was walking her bull mastiff, Buzz, in New York City's Riverside Park when an elderly man told her, That guy robbed me. The suspect in black jeans and and a tank top was fleeing. Dennis urged the victim to help her follow the robber, but the man couldn't run. So five foot two, Mary Dennis went it alone. With Dennis and Buzz, now I'm sure the guy ran faster when he saw the bull mastiff running after him, but... uh, With uh, Dennis and Buzz in pursuit, the suspect raced out of the park, ran one block, and then hailed a cab. I was screaming and waving my hands, but a taxi picked him up, she said. She kept running. Just as she was losing hope, a white van pulled up beside her. After she explained the situation, the driver said, get in. When they caught up with the cab, its passenger was gone. The cabbie told told Dennis that the man had fled toward Broadway. She and Buzz picked up the chase on foot. The guy in the van said, get in. Not just to her, but to the dog, too. So <coughs> here's a suspect fleeing down Broadway in New York City with a five foot two uh, woman uh, and a bull mastiff, who's probably five foot two, uh, chasing them, chasing him all the way down the street. And uh, spotting her, uh, her, the, the perpetrator hopping into another cab, Den- Dennis leaped in front of it, shouting, stop, that man robbed somebody. The thief jumped out and threatened Dennis before running to a third taxi. Dennis jumped in front just before the traffic light changed. Within moments, the police arrived and handcuffed the suspect who was charged with third-degree robbery and criminal possession of stolen property. Now, would she do it again? Definitely, she said. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. If the whole world lived that way, this wouldn't be a cold city. So how can we love our neighbors as we love ourselves? Second question I want to answer this morning is how. How do you love? We talked about who do you love. Now, how do we love? We've talked, uh, for this, we need to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 8. You got a Bible? See, mine's already pre-moved uh, to that point. Paul says, and now I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. In this passage, Paul talks a lot about love and how important it is. He says there are all kinds of great and spiritual things that he can do, but it's all worthless if he doesn't love. If he doesn't show love, it don't mean a thing. He says that he could speak in the tongues of men and even angels, But without love, he may as well just be a clinging cymbal or a resounding gong. He could prophesy and be able to fathom all the mysteries of the universe. He could have all the knowledge a man could have. He could have a faith that could move mountains. But if he doesn't have love, he's nothing. 
He could give all his possessions to the poor. He could become a martyr for Christ. But if he doesn't have love, he gains nothing. And then he goes on to talk about what love is. <coughs> love is patient. It bears with someone who's hard to get along with. Love is kind. A truly loving person will be kind to those around them. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Love is not rude or self-seeking. Love is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Speaking of easily angered, I am a person who is easily angered. And I have the floor, so I just I have to apologize to somebody because uh, I have to apologize to my wife because this morning I was easily angered and I, I made a face at her and I shouldn't have made a face. And I denied making the face and even though I made the face and <laughs> I did make the face and I'm sorry I made the face and I'm sorry I got mad at you this morning. And so, oh, <laughs> Sean is a jerk. <laughs> Yeah, I was a jerk this morning, so I'm sorry. Uh, love does not delight in evil, but rather it rejoices with the truth. Love always protects, always, pers- always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. You want to know how to love God? You want to know how to love your neighbor? Keep these traits in mind. Max Lucado is one of my heroes. Okay, I, I, I really like Max Lucado. He preaches at a church down in San Antonio, Texas, and uh, he's a great writer. I love his books. My favorite book of all time uh, outside of Scripture is a book called He Still Moves Stones uh, by Max, and it's just a wonderful, wonderful book. And uh, he talked about this passage from 1 Corinthians in his book, A Love Worth Giving. He said, several years ago, someone challenged me to replace the word love in this passage with my name. I did, and I became a liar. Max is patient. Max is kind. Max does not envy. He does not boast. He is not proud. He said, that's enough. Stop right there. Those words are false. Max is not patient. Max is not kind. Ask my wife and kids. Max can be an out-and-out clod. That's my problem. He says that no one can meet this expectation. No one can meet this standard except Jesus Christ. If you replace the word (coughs) love with the name Jesus... You get a much truer statement. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. He does not envy. He does not boast. He is not proud. He is not rude. He is not self-seeking. He is not easily angered. He keeps no record of wrongs. Hallelujah. Jesus does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. He always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Jesus never fails. Amen? You want to know how to love, you got to look at the life of Jesus Christ because Jesus is love. See how he loved those around him. The woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8 was shown love and mercy. The crowds that were following him were looked upon with compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were harassed and tired. Jesus looked at them with love in his eyes. Think about the blind people to whom Jesus gave sight. Think about the people Jesus raised from the dead. A Roman centurion who would have been viewed by the Jews as a hated enemy was the recipient of Jesus' love when Jesus healed the centurion's servant who was paralyzed and in great agony. (coughs) Jesus even loves those who were crucifying, crucifying him when he said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. We can learn a lot about how to love from the life of Jesus Christ. We need to put into practice the kind of love that he demonstrated. It was a selfless kind of love, always interested in the benefit of others. We could not put our names in that passage from 1 Corinthians 
without being liars. We all fall short of Jesus' perfect example of love. But that does not mean that we should stop trying. That does not mean that we should say, oh, well, (laughs) can't do it. May as well not even try. It should be a never-ending struggle for each of us to try and love the way Jesus loved. We must demonstrate that love to God and to those around us, our neighbors. If you want to learn how to love, study the life of Jesus Christ. Read the Gospels and see how Jesus showed the love of God to everyone he came into contact with. Make it your goal to do likewise, to love like Jesus loved. So we've looked at who we are to love. We've looked at how we are to love. Now we're going to talk about why we should love. That question is answered in 1 John 4, 19. It simply says, we love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. Why do we love God? Because he first loved us. How did he love us first? 1 John 4, 9. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. How did God show you that he loved you? By sending his son to die for you. Paul puts it this way in Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, God did not say, you know what? You clean up your act. You get it all together. You get it all figured out. You, you put on the right clothes. You, you put on a happy face. Uh, you, you do away with all the sin in your life. You get everything straightened out. And then I'll send Jesus to die for you. It's not what he did. Bible says, Paul says there in Romans 5, 8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The father said to the son, look at all them sinful people down there. Look at all them sinners. Worthless. I love them so much. What am I going to do with them? Jesus said, I'll go. The son said, I'll go. And I'll fulfill the law. I'll fulfill the demands of the law. I'll die for them. And that's what he did. He came to earth, lived a perfect life, never sinned, never talked back to his, never talked back to his mom, never uh, lied, never took anything that didn't belong to him, never made a face at his wife. Didn't have a wife to make a face to, but if he had a wife, he wouldn't have made a face at her. And then he went to the cross and died. The most undeserved punishment in the history of humanity. And he took it. Why? The Bible says because he loved us. <laughs> because he loved us. Why do we love? Because he loved us first. He showed us what love is. He showed us what love is all about. He said, I'm going to give you the perfect example. You want to love? You want to know how to love? This is what it looks like, baby. This is what real love looks like. And it was on a Roman cross almost 2,000 years ago that love was demonstrated in the perfect way. That is incredible love. That is awesome love. That is wonderful love. And God reached out to you and me and all the rest of the sinners in this world in love. John 3.16, say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That is how much God loves you and me. He allowed his one and only son to die on the cross to forgive our sins. And he loves us so much that Jesus died for us. And we can have a relationship with God now because of what Jesus did. So what does that mean for us? What does that mean for you and me? 
means that we need to love others because God loved us first. You need to know, every single one of us needs to know just how much God loves us. Each and every one of us in this place, God loves us so very much. I can't say it enough. I can't possibly tell you enough. I can't possibly put it into words. And I don't think anyone here could put it into words. The depth, the width, the height, the length of God's incredible, awesome love that he has for every one of us here. And not just for those of us here, for those gathered in places like this all over the world, for those not gathered in places like this, God loves everybody. Totally and completely and unconditionally. He loves us so much that he willingly gave his son Jesus to die on the cross to forgive our sins. We would have no hope, we would have no promise of eternal life if it wasn't for the love of God. We need to love him in return. We need to love others because he showed us what love was first. He demonstrated his love first. God's love is our motivation for loving him and loving others. Have you ever met somebody who just seems so bitter, so angry, so full of spite and bitterness? That is someone who has not experienced the love of God. That is someone who has not experienced the love of God. Christians, my friends, brothers and sisters, we have no excuse. We have no reason to be bitter and angry and spiteful and vengeful and unforgiving and unloving. We have no excuse. We have no excuse. We have received the ultimate gift of love in the form of Jesus Christ. And because we have received that gift, we should be changed. We should be different. We must be. The world is such a dark and terrible and horrible place where there is no love. I mean, honestly, think about the events of this past week up in Northern Illinois University. I mean, people died. People were injured. This world is a dark, dark place. And then there's us, living in the light of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that we are the light of the world. Jesus said to his disciples, you are the light of the world. We are to be shining our light in the darkness, shining on the path that leads to light, getting people home, getting people to the lifeboat, getting people to the fire escape. Why? Because we love them. Because God loves them. We have no excuse to be like the world. Jesus died so that we didn't have to be like the world. Jesus died to change us so that we wouldn't be like the world. We are to be different. We are to be changed. We should be so full of love, not only for God, but our fellow human beings as well. And if we share that love with the world, maybe the world won't be such a cold and cruel place. Let us remember how much God, how much love God has shown us and be diligent about sharing that love with our world. Story goes, I had been praying regularly with the deacons for one of our members. His wife, Pat, attended our small congregation faithfully, but John hadn't been to church in years. So every Sunday afternoon before the evening service, we prayed for ways to communicate our commitment to John and his family. <coughs> it wasn't long before we received an answer. During the morning service one week, Pat told us through tears that John had been diagnosed with prostate cancer. A surgery was planned for the following week, and doctors were confident John would make a full recovery. The bad news was that John would be out of work for months. He drove a log truck 
It was paid by the mile. There was no way that he could recover while spending 10 hours a day in a bumpy 18-wheeler. But if he didn't drive, John and Pat didn't have a paycheck. The congregation sprang immediately to action. There was no question whether the congregation would pitch in to support the family in their time of need. That afternoon in an emergency business meeting, we sat around a long folding table and our head deacon, a trucker himself, asked with his characteristic boldness, how much can everyone give? Some pledged 50 or $100 a month. One family committed to pay for utilities and another for groceries, whatever the cost. Beginning immediately, Anchor Baptist Church took responsibility for the well-being of one of its families. All bills were paid on time. There was a new supply of groceries on the front steps every weekend. Some of the men made sure the lawn was mowed and other maintenance issues around the house were addressed. John has since rejoined the congregation. Months after his surgery, John testified on a Sunday morning that the church's tireless care of his family had convinced him that the congregation did not simply want another warm body in the seats or an extra dollar in the offering plate. They were committed to sharing their lives and their resources with him unconditionally. If you want, if you want proof, if you want evidence that the Holy Spirit is working in your life, Test your love quotient. You want to know that the Holy Spirit is actually working on you, is working in you, working to change you. How are you loving? Are you becoming a more loving person? Do you love God more every day? Do you love, her, do you love others more every day? What about our church? Are we becoming a more loving congregation? Is God's Spirit working in the life of our church? Are we becoming a more loving congregation? Are we loving each other more? Are we loving our, our world more? Are we loving our neighbors more? Are we loving God more? These are the questions that we have to ask. These are the tough questions that we need to find out. How are we doing? Is the Holy Spirit working here? And if not, what are we going to do about it? Jesus said to love God and love your neighbor. Paul said the greatest of things is love. It's the Beatles said Maybe love really is all you need. Is love really all you need? No. You need a Savior. A Savior who loves you very, very much. And He loves you enough to die in your place on a cross, like we talked about earlier. The Bible says that if you will believe, repent, confess, and be baptized, that you will be saved. Believe that Jesus Christ is the only Son of God the only way to be saved, repent, turn away from sin, do a 180 in your life. Say, you know what? I'm tired of living for myself. I'm tired of living a life of sin. I want to live for God. Confess your faith publicly. Say, I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I believe that he is the son of God. Be baptized in the waters of forgiveness and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit will come and live inside you and change you from the inside out and make you more like Christ. And may he change every one of us. May he work in every one of our lives this week, today, to make us more like Jesus in the way that we love God and in the way that we love others. Heavenly Father, I pray today for your spirit to be working, to be working in our lives, to be working to change us, to become more like Jesus. That we would love others unconditionally, that we would love you, God, totally, with our whole being, 
with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Help us to be loving people. May we be known as a loving church. May the world know that you are God and that there is a God who lives and loves them because of the love that pours out of the first Christian church. We pray this all in the name of our loving Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. to update you on Steve Zoke. Uh, I want to take, he uh, sent me this uh, message this week. So I want to take some time to thank you and my brothers, sisters in Griffith for your continued prayers for Impact Christian Church and for my health. I recently finished my eight weeks of radiation and continual chemo infusion. I went back in this Tuesday for my next round of chemo, which I have to stay hooked up to for 48 hours. It went okay at first, but from the first eight-week infusion, I developed a pretty severe ulcer in my gut, and this next round kicked it back into play pretty hard. I have two more chemo treatments, and then hopefully and prayerfully, that will be it for the rest of my life. My next CT scan is March 4th. Please be in prayer over this. The doctors have told me that chances are nothing would return while on chemo, but it's still very nerve-wracking and scary to go through. Thank you for your support. support. Love and prayers, Steve Zoak. <coughs> uh, Announcement-wise, uh, Promise Keepers 2008 uh, is August 8th and 9th. More details will be coming soon. Uh, so, guys, get ready. Promise Keepers coming up in August. Uh, August seems a long way away, but it's coming soon. Get ready. Uh, Peggy Mouch says, Ladies Women's Conference. 
uh, at uh, Lincoln is April 23rd. The sign-up sheet is at the Welcome Center. Questions uh, or to pay, see Peggy. Uh, Sandy Martinez would like to thank you for your prayers for TJ and Christian. They are back home safe from Mexico. Uh, Clark will be going to the University of Chicago Hospital this week. Clark Lewis will be going to the University of Chicago Hospital this week. Please pray for wisdom for the doctors and healing for him. Please pray for, for Clark Lewis. Uh, Nancy Eaton asked for prayers for safe travel to Florida. Also for Jonathan's ship, uh, they are out to sea and could be uh, sent uh, to fire. Oh, they could be sent to fire the missile at the satellite. So uh, pray, continue to pray for Jonathan and pray for Nancy as she travels to Florida. Uh, June Cannon asked for prayers for Vernon. He has blood clots in his leg. He's at Community Hospital. Also, her friend Barbara is in the hospital with influenza. Stacy Pierce asked for friends. Uh, prayers for a friend's house. Uh, they, they had a fire and lost everything. Her and her husband have three small children, two-year-old twins and a four-year-old son. And pray for Kent's cousin, Tina. She's having problems with her colon for the third time. And Dodie asked for prayers for the families of those who lost loved ones in the tragedy at Northern Illinois. Let's pray. Father God, as we come to the end of this worship service today, I just pray that this uh, time of worship would be a springboard, that uh, we would... Uh, just launch into a week of worship, that uh, the worship we gathered here together to do as a family today would just burn a fire of, of worship and love in our hearts for you all week long. We pray for those at, uh, in DeKalb and for those who lost loved ones, who lost children, uh, lost friends and, and brothers and sisters. God, we just pray that you would be a God of comfort and that uh, your people would rise up and demonstrate your love uh, to those who are hurting. I pray for those today who are here and who are hurting, uh, who are dealing with uh, emotional distress, dealing with uh, doubt, dealing with, with situations that are just, they can't even talk about. And I just ask God that you would move in a very powerful way in our lives. Help us to become more like Jesus each day. Fill us with your Holy Spirit as we go about. Give us a chance this week to talk to somebody about the difference that Jesus makes. Give us a chance this week to invite somebody to come and worship you and to get to know you, for you are good. Your love endures forever. Thank you for all you've done for us. Be with us now as we leave. In Jesus' name, amen.